Coming up on the WAC podcast, we'll recap Kendra's trip to the NAC as she was there for SFA UTA women's basketball. And she has another road trip coming up this week, heading to Abilene, Texas, to check out the Wildcats and Utah Tech. The Road to WAC Vegas dropped today. You want to check that out on ESPN+. Plus. Seattle U still undefeated in men's basketball and WAC play. So is Southern Utah, the Thunderbirds, with a perhaps surprising win Wednesday night in Phoenix. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Another week, another road to WAC Vegas, another WAC road trip, really our first WAC road trip of basketball season is underway last week in Nacogdoches for a great matchup between what was the preseason coaches poll one and two seed UT Arlington at Stephen F. Austin. That was a pretty good matchup. Is this where I jump in now? I thought you'd jump in and then I continue. I didn't want to. Just I, see, I noticed going. I was listening to the show before, and, and a lot of times you'll start the show and I'll feel like, oh, she's talk, been talking for a long time. And then I kind of talk over you, and I'm trying not to do that now. Oh, okay. So I'm, I thought I'm you trying to let like... you speak and then I jump in. Okay. <laughs> so, I thought this would be a perfect time for you to say something, then yes, I go this back is, to my plan. So SFA wins that game against UTA. The Lady Jacks, number one in the resume seating system. But uh, perhaps the story for right now, and we, we still want to talk about your road trip, but Southern Utah, uh, this this is uh, an eyebrow raiser, if you will. They go to Phoenix. They beat Grand Canyon Wednesday night, and all of a sudden Southern Utah remains the only undefeated team in whack play because it's one of those things. Remember this happened in soccer and women's soccer this year where uh southern utah was playing well and then they kind of tailed off a bit you know as the season went along and and their non-conference record not nearly as good as what their conference record is but this team is playing really well and playing with a lot of confidence they are they are and you look at just uh the stat sheet from that game and you know, two players were in double figures, but then you have everyone else contributing. You have, you know, Sharita Doherty, who is, you know, an all-star, and she usually is at the top of the, the scoring. She had nine points. You have other players, Samantha Johnson, nine points. It really seemed like Tamika Whitman, who came back, I believe she was off with an injury, 14 points. You have a lot of players, Daylani Bellina, 15 points who seem to be stepping up and contributing. And this is a team who, you know, I don't know if we necessarily expected this, but taking down Grand Canyon at home, that's no small feat to go to Phoenix in that tough environment and get the win. And so certainly a team that is impressive to watch and and certainly as the, the second half of the conference play continues. Yeah, they're 11 and seven overall. 7 and 0 in conference, 7 and 1 at games in Cedar City, but yeah, you look at some of the games they did play. Of course, they scheduled some Power 5 teams that they lost to in the non-con. Uh University of Colorado, they lost to in Boulder, they lost to the University of Utah when they went to Salt Lake City, they lost to the University of Oregon uh, when they went up to Eugene. So they definitely had a tough non-conference schedule, but they've already swept Utah Tech 
who is one of the better women's teams in the league this year. They won in Las Cruces, never an easy place to win. So Seattle uh, University is another game they won, but Southern Utah really uh, showing that they might be a team to be reckoned with. They are showing they're a team to be reckoned with in WAC Vegas, which, by the way, is less than six weeks away, Kendra. I know. Can you even believe it? It's like I'm looking at our schedule, planning out the month one. I can't even believe that January is almost over. You know, that month just flew by. I don't know what go? happened there. I don't know. It's gone. Not coming back. And, and then you February, know, February right? is just shortest boom. month of the year. Short, indoor track, swimming and diving. We've got other championships besides just basketball going on and pow. Then first week of Vegas or first week of March is Vegas essentially, because we're there that Saturday, the fourth, all the way there until the 11th. I mean, a whole over a week in Vegas going to be a blast, but yeah, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm pretty pumped, but also, you know, you look at the, the calendar and you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> now back to your trip to Nacogdoches uh, this past weekend. So you kind of crammed a lot of things into a small amount of time when you when you went there so you drove out uh to to do sidelines for that sfa game but uh, you also had a, a few other stories you're working on there oh yeah when we when we do these whack road trips it's pow 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 content city <laughs> so it started we had an awesome whack all access in person which is really only the second time we've ever done that i said i was joking and i said you know this is you know we had a special whack all access last year in Vegas, where Asia Wilson came on, um, the NBA player, what well, WNBA, WNBA player, excuse yeah. me, uh, who's based in Vegas with their team. And so they, so I was talking to Latrell Giselle of SFA men's basketball. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm not a special guest. Technically I'm like, oh no, no, it's, it's the first whack all access we've had with a player at one of our member institutions. And so we had a great combo there. It's on our Instagram. He's uh, quite the singer. I uh, talked a little bit about that. And then afterwards we got together, we played a little game of horse yes. SFA style with AJ Kajust, Roddy Ware, and uh, of course, Latrell Giselle, which will be dropping on Friday. We have a short little video, uh, you know, spoiler alert. I did not win but, but I you did not last. lose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that's pretty cool. And then also, you know, SFA is just swarming with interesting storylines. They have a 41 year old golfer by the name of Jonathan Shusky, as most people refer to him as buckets who uh, <laughs> did five combat tours, four of those in Afghanistan, one in the Philippines. And, you know, was never really a golfer. He really liked basketball, played basketball in high school and, uh, you know, through his time in the military and overseas, just picked up golfing and did a couple of the, you know, all army tours. And then, you know, once he was retired from the military, decided, Hey, I'm going to go back to college. I have eligibility left called up the NCAA compliance office. They got him squared away. He played division two for a year. And now he is at Stephen F. Austin playing division one golf. He's believed to be the oldest active division one NCAA golfer right now, if you can believe that. And so got to talk to him. He's got a great story that will get a chance to uh, put out closer to golf season. I would imagine maybe, the oldest athlete maybe in the NCAA division one. 
you know, I don't know. They were, they were trying to do some stats and there was, there, there, there are a few, believe it or not. So stay yeah, that'll tuned be on a, that. a very interesting story. And then you had a chance to talk to the coach there as well. And is that one of those situations where the player is older than the coach? Um, I don't believe he is older, but the, his, the coach's kids are younger than Shusky's kids. And so <laughs> it was funny because their dynamic is like the coach would ask, Shusky, like, you know, different things like, you know, because his kids have all gone through it and parenting. And so it's definitely a cool dynamic. And how we got the coach is I was, you know, we're talking to Shusky, getting his story. And I'm like, hey, what what are the odds coach would come on down? He called him up on the spot. He lives just, you know, a few minutes from campus, threw on an SFA polo and came over. And so we got a great soundbite from him. And that was just awesome that, you know, he was able to do that on such short notice and be a part of our story. And then you, uh, of course, did sidelines for the game. SFA wins. Uh, so you had a chance to talk to Mark Kellogg after the game. And then also uh, one of the interesting things I saw on your Instagram story or the WAC Instagram story was uh, you ran across Zion Nugent, uh, of course, one of the best players in the league last year, got injured in the in the preseason as is out for the year. But uh, she uh, is uh, still active at the games. Oh, yeah. You know, when we had talked to Chase Merrill, who was their play-by-play before, he had mentioned just how much Zaya has been a part of this program for this year. I mean, she's out for the year on the sidelines coaching and stuff. And, you know, I walk out of the tunnel, which is pretty cool, the sawmill tunnel, if you saw in our IG story. And uh, who's on DJ? Well, it's one, the only Zaya Nugent cranking up some tunes. She got Avery Brittenham coming over requesting Megan to get herself pumped up for the game. Megan, the stallion for those who uh, don't know what I'm referring to there. Uh, yeah. So I, I asked her and she has her own little DJ set. I think it was a smaller version than the one I filmed that was brought in um, by whoever was you know running their, their music. But yeah, that's something that she, she does on the side and she was getting after it. And so that's pretty cool. I mean, what better way you can't really be a part of the team, uh, you know, warm up wise, but you can pump them up with the music choices. So that was, that's pretty neat. Uh, and she's got quite a personality where she's out there. She's very energetic. She's vocal. And so good to see her kind of find a little niche, a little niche, a little, her passion to, to be able to help the team when she can't necessarily be on the floor during game time. Well, SFA will, they've won uh, four in a row now. They'll be playing Sam Houston on the road in that battle of the Piney Woods on the hardwood. That's a five o'clock central time start tonight, Thursday, as Sam Houston is hosting a men's women doubleheader. And then California Baptist will be visiting Stephen F. Austin on Saturday. So that that's one of those interesting games as, a, as California Baptist is uh, a team on the rise especially on the women's side. I know their men's team uh, won at UTA last night uh, on Wednesday night, but uh, California Baptist, one of those teams, seems to be finding their their formula. Um, I actually saw Coach um, Coach Olson, because they'll be playing at UTA tonight, as I was over at uh, UTA feeding our Road to Whack Vegas show. And as always has been the case when we feed the show, there's a team that's practicing as we're leaving. And uh, today that was the CBU women. Uh, but Trinity San Antonio had a chance to watch some of their previous game. She has really kind of uh, stepped up into that role that uh, that maybe people thought that she was going to step into this year with the departure of, of so many great players from last year's team. 
and and she has kind of taken over as as that go-to player, at least in the game I was watching this weekend. Yeah, you know, I, I got a chance to be uh, at California Baptist when our men's soccer championships were over at CBU, and so got a chance to see the women's and the men's first game of the season, and Trini Santonio dropped 31 points in that matchup, and, you know, she she was – she had this talent and this capability last year. I think obviously her freshman year, she was still trying to, you know, learn the, I guess the game slows down for you when you're, you know, you gotta, yeah, it takes time before the game slows down is your freshman year. And so I think she had that capability and now, you know, sophomore year, she has that chance where she doesn't have those seniors. She's got to take that role herself and she's really blossomed. They were a lot of new pieces this year. There were a lot of question marks around this team and, Five and two so far in the WAC is a, is a pretty good start, and I only see them gelling and getting more cohesive moving forward. Yeah, looking at her stats this year, Kendra, she scored 31 in that game against UC San Diego, had a couple of 22-23 point games. Then against Idaho State goes down uh, on November 26th, only played 15 minutes in that game that didn't play again until December 31st, limited at only a couple minutes there, uh, then 11 minutes against Seattle U., and now, you know, more in that 26, 25-minute range. And then against Grand Canyon on uh, January 21st, she scores 20 points in 37 minutes of action on 8 of 15 shooting. So she is their leading scorer. But also Grace Schmidt, the uh, freshman, has kind of stepped up as well. And she's uh, neck and neck there with Jordan Harrison for the uh, top freshman in the league, it seems. Yeah, both of them have four WAC freshmen of the week honors to their name. Yeah, it seems like each week when we're looking at, you know, who are the freshmen, it's Jordan Harrison or it's Gray Schmidt any given week. Both of them are doing tremendous things. You know, Jordan Harrison is starting as a, a point guard, as a freshman. Gray Schmidt is out there as well, just, you know, doing her thing, adding. She's really aggressive in the paint. She's got a lot of those second chance points as well. She has that capability and so she's provided a good inside presence for the Lancers men's basketball our game of the week our featured game of the week Thursday night it is Utah Valley at Southern Utah you had a co chance to coach with a uh, coach with talk with coach Todd Simon and that's going to be on yeah, the he second had half me of the on show. His show yes or no it's not gonna be on this show we're gonna have Zach Carlisle in our second segment we had Todd Simon on the road to WAC Vegas show but you had a chance to talk with him about their transition from the Big Sky Conference into the WAC and watching them play. And, and I watched uh, pretty much that entire game at Seattle U, which was a, believe it or not, a close game most of the way until about 10 minutes to go in the second half. And then the Red Hawks really turned on the Jets and wound up winning by about 20 there. But uh, Southern Utah, very fun team to watch. They They get up and down the court. As Coach Simon mentioned, one of the top scoring teams, not only in the WAC, but in the nation. They are, and, and they have quite the veteran presence to do it. They have three guys that came back for their fifth season. I think anytime you have guys that are willing to come back, especially, you know, in the day and age of the transfer portal and you're not having to wait and sit out that extra year for NCAA eligibility, you know, you have guys that want to come back to this program. It's their first year in the WAC. We talked about the physicality. That's the WAC. And, and, you know, he expected it, but it's been everything and more is what he said. They have Tevian Jones, who's their leading scorer, you know, 20 points 
averaging over 20 points a game. And then they have Harrison Butler, Mason Fawcett, who are there just like anchors on the team. Although all those are the three fifth year seniors, they added Drake Allen, who's the Juco transfer. Who we've talked uh, quite a bit about um, just because he's been, you know, he's not always lighting up the stat sheet, but what he does, you know, he's in our whack top play. He did this <laughs> incredible sick behind the back, you know, pass that in led traffic. to a, yeah. in traffic to a dunk. And so he's finding his footing. And I think you need, you know, that guard to be able to facilitate all the plays. And he seems to be settling in and getting more and more comfortable with that role with the T-Birds. And so, you know, SUU is, is a team that, you know, we knew they were going to be contenders coming in, but my goodness, have they put on a show for us. And they're taking on Utah Valley, who the first week that we did the Road to Wack Vegas show, you got sat down. I got to sit down in person with Mark Madsen, the coach of the Wolverines. Utah Valley winning in Phoenix at Grand Canyon, a tough place to play in the pretty uh, dominant fashion. And they seem to be able to do it differently every game, Kendra, with Aziz Bendego really filling in for that Fardaz AMAC role of rebounding, blocking shots. Trey Woodbury now healthy, doing his thing. But then Justin Harmon seems to have taken it up a notch and also uh, Latre Darthard is also a, a top player in the league. So any one of those guys on any given night could be their go-to guy. Certainly. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned it, Trey Woodbury coming back. He was a storyline last year where he was out for pretty much the whole year. They brought him back because they were trying to do something really, really special in Vegas. Um, you know, they, they win one game and ultimately fall in the second game in Vegas. But, you know, this year they have the experience and now they added this big man in Aziz Bandego. And so they're looking like a, a complete team and they've been really tough to beat. You know, sometimes you have those teams that go on runs early on and then they kind of fizzle out. Uh, Utah Valley is hot and uh, they don't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. So this should be a really fun matchup. Um, either way it goes of, you know, two teams that can definitely make a splash in Vegas. Now your next road trip, you're going to be heading to Abilene, Texas, uh, where Abilene Christian will be hosting Utah Tech this Saturday, and you're going to be on the call. Uh, we're off the sidelines. You're going to be in the booth, as they say, even though it's a table. Uh, you're going to be the uh, analyst for that one. Yeah, I'm super excited to uh, to be stepping into the figure of speech, <laughs> the figurative <laughs> booth, <laughs> figure of speech, figurative <laughs> booth, as they say, with uh, Zach Carlisle, who'll be joining us in the second segment of the podcast. ACU takes on. Uh, Utah Tech. This is the second attempt that I have. It will hopefully this won't be successful to get to Abilene. Try to go for the football. What was going to be essentially the regular season championship is how it turned out with the scores. It was a regular season game, but it was SFA ACU SFA ultimately winning. But uh, got COVID, so couldn't go to that. So happy to be able to make the trip, see Moody Coliseum. It's newly renovated. It's a great environment. It's um, you know, a cancer night. And so they're going to be auctioning off. Brett Tanner is going to be auctioning off shoes to raise money. And so should be a really fun environment. Um, and they're taking on Utah tech. So, you know, a good matchup between two of our teams that should be in, in Vegas. Yeah. The coaches versus cancer, always a, a great weekend. I know many of our schools are going to be participating in that, uh, all weekend as, as they raise money for cancer research. And when we yeah. talked to Zach, actually he said last year, didn't they raise Upwards of $9,000 uh, $9, in that uh, event. So looking forward to that. Uh, I know um, 
as we mentioned, when you go out to, to different schools, you uh, have a chance to talk to many different people. I know you're going to be uh, chatting with uh, Cassie Kelly, the one of the SIDs there at ACU, and um, look forward to to that trip. And this is your first time to Abilene, is that correct? Yep, first time. So I'll get to be there all day Saturday. Yeah, get a chance to talk to Cassie. She's got a cool, great feature story. For those who don't know, you know, she's overcome cancer. She was officially cancer free this summer. Um, and now it's just kind of some uh, cleanup surgeries. They had to pull a little bit more from her lymph nodes than they were originally anticipating. Um, and so, you know, she was in Vegas last year undergoing chemotherapy. They had a lot of late games. So she was there creating content, writing stories, you know, late into the evening. Yeah, midnight, and so yeah, it's not often one that, you know, there's a female in that SID role, but also one who is battling cancer and then ultimately beating cancer. And so really looking forward to talking with her before the game. I think we set up for around 2 p.m. on on Saturday, getting a chance to to speak with her before uh, for the big game. One of the things we talked about last week, Kendra, I believe, was the, the biggest surprises of the year in New Mexico State men's basketball still looking for their first conference win, maybe being the biggest surprise, but I would say Abilene Christian men's basketball, not being near the top of the standings. I, I think there was a lot coming in to this year, a lot of expectations, Joe Pleasant coming back after he had been on the team that went to the NCAAs, beat Texas transfers to Wichita state, then comes back. And Arian Simmons had a great year. It doesn't seem to quite have the numbers he did last year, but this could be one of those teams like we talked about last week, Kendra, that once you're in the tournament, maybe the seedings go out the window a little bit. And as we recall last year, what would they play four days in a row, three days in a row? I mean, they kept winning, yeah, winning, three winning. wins, three days. And then they just kind of ran out of gas at the end against New Mexico state. But yeah, I mean, I feel like Abilene Christian is that sneaky team, you know, right now they're sitting at two and five along with Utah tech in the whack right now. And yeah, they brought Joe Pleasant back, who was a part of that NCAA tournament team that, you know, was the Cinderella story when they won in the first round. And they have some key pieces. Of course, they lost some like every team does. But, you know, they I feel like Brett Tanner and the way that they play defensively is so tough. And when it comes to Vegas and you're playing all those games, you know, when somebody is full full court pressing you the entire time, that wears you down. And so they have a way to get under team skin and they're just a gritty team. And so I don't think they're ever one to count out, but it's definitely not the start that I think we initially anticipated, but um, looking forward to kind of watching them and seeing, you know, they were, they were the underdogs in the tournament last year. And so who knows what they can be, you know, once they make it this year. And one of the differences this year, Kendra, in the tournament is last year, as you mentioned, they had to play four days in a row uh, this year. Uh, we have, on Monday is going to be four women's games. Tuesday is going to be four men's games. Wednesday is going to be four women's games. Thursday is going to be four men's games. And then uh, two semis uh, for both on Friday. So theoretically, if if you play Monday, you play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you would have a day of rest in between. So you, you wouldn't uh, have perhaps as bad a gauntlet as, as ACU had last year. Yeah, I think that extra rest day is going to be big time for a lot of teams because, yeah, like, I mean, Abilene Christian was so hot, had so much momentum, and playing their fourth game when you're looking at a team like New Mexico State who, you know, that was, you know, their 
second game of the of the tournament where they had all that rest going in they just they overpowered them and and you could just you could tell and a team that went on to win a game in the ncaa tournament and almost uh knocked off a team that uh, wound up going to the final four in the in the second round in arkansas so yeah that was uh that was quite a team that they were facing there and then they beat seattle u and that uh you know on the on the opposite side seattle u that was their first game and you know acu had a chance to you know have some confidence and get hot and then uh we're able to knock off seattle u in that late game on uh, friday of last year uh believe it or not kendra we we're talking about how fast the time goes uh I believe next week we're coming out i think it's next week with our uh softball preview <laughs> oh my gosh i can't take it i can't take it uh, whereas not- uh yeah the, the softball season gets underway the following week uh that weekend of february 10th and then the week after that Baseball gets underway, and uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but uh, you're going to be at Grand Canyon. Yeah, they have a, a linear game. Uh, GCU will be hosting. Who is it? Oh, it's Abilene Christian. <laughs> so uh, that's our on ESPN U. I believe it's a 9 p.m. tip off, so it's a late game. But uh, that's, that's a yeah, Friday excited. game. So that's a little different, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Friday night, and so. Yeah, excited to be a part of the Havoc experience there. I got a chance to be at their first GCU men's home opener last year. They played Grambling State, and I'd never seen such a crazy environment and been a part of it. So pretty excited to go back. And then, you know, baseball is is starting. And so they, they're bringing in Tennessee. It was, you know, it's, it's, it's nice when you, uh, you play in Phoenix during the, the early months of the season, you get a lot of home games and you get a chance to bring in some top talent from teams that can't play, you know, baseball in snow in February. And so bringing in Tennessee, uh, that Saturday after GCU takes Abilene Christian. And so, uh, yeah, really excited for that one to be back in Phoenix, going to Phoenix three times this year. So, and then after that, it's Spokane for indoor track. I mean, a go, a go, a go. Yeah, not only are they playing Tennessee, who's right now number two in the nation, and that'll be at Brazel Field, so that'll be at GCU, and that'll also be uh, televised on the MLB Network. Uh, so pretty exciting to have GCU uh, get a nationally televised game right off the bat. And their game the day before, February 17th, they're going to be playing at Salt River Fields in Scottsdale, and that's also going to be on the MLB Network against UC San Diego. And then uh, the day after, on Sunday on the 19th, they're playing Michigan, in Mesa at Sloan Park, I believe that's the uh, spring training home of your Chicago Cubs, if I'm not Woo! mistaken. And then uh, the next day on February 20th, Monday, playing Michigan State. <laughs> so Tennessee, Michigan, Michigan State, and UC San Diego, a pretty pretty healthy way to start the season for GCU baseball. Of course, they went to the NCAA tournament last year. Andy Stankiewicz uh, went on to USC, but uh Wow, that's uh, not only are they getting some good games, and then they're going to take a couple days off, Kendra, and then on February 23rd, they get another home game uh, against Ohio State. So <laughs> Crazy, yeah. I, I mean, mean, good yeah, talent. Yeah, they're getting wants some, to... some big-time teams to come into Phoenix. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, GCU is, is typically a very good team. They've got a lot of pieces back, new head coach, but he's been in the system for several years, and so – yeah, very excited. I can't even believe baseball season is underway. I need a nap thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of taking a nap, no. That's not, 
not true. Uh, <laughs> coming up next, uh, we have Zach Carlisle from Abilene Christian, the TV voice of the Wildcats. He also uh, is a, one of the uh, sports information directors there at ACU, does a fantastic job, and they're going to be working with him on Saturday, and he's going to talk uh, men's and women's uh, Abilene Christian basketball coming up next on the WAC Podcast. Down! Fans, don't miss your chance to be in WAC Vegas this March. They can celebrate because they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. The 2023 Hercules Tires WAC Basketball Tournament will be in Vegas for an entire week. March 6th through the 11th at the Michelob Ultra Arena and the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. Big time gutty performance. Tickets go on sale February 6th. For more information, go to WACsports.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Kendra Sheehan now joined by Zach Carlisle, the TV voice of the Wildcats for Abilene Christian. Zach, you're coming on to break down some men's and women's hoops. We're super excited to have you on. How are you doing this morning? Afternoon, actually. It's really 3 p.m. That's way off. <laughs> I'm doing well. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of crazy the last couple of weeks, but we're settling into a basketball rhythm now, and it's been it's been really good. January's been really, really good to our office. So looking forward to to turning the page to February and and getting going with the stretch run here. I'm certainly looking forward to being in Abilene this weekend and checking out the campus. My first time there where we'll get a chance to see the newly renovated Moody Coliseum from your perspective as somebody who works at the campus, who calls all the games, who's around the program, seen it from last year to this year. What's the biggest change in the Moody Coliseum and how much has it you know, uh, added to the fan and athlete experience? Yeah, I'm probably one of the few that saw it before, and then we left to go to Teague during the renovation, and then we, we've kind of you know been reaping the benefits of having it back. It is a game changer. It just it feels like Division One college basketball, and it's just kind of what we've been missing these last couple of years. Our administration did a phenomenal job at trying to figure out a way to keep games on campus while the renovation was happening and they turned our indoor tennis court into a way to play basketball. And it was, it was really, really good. Um, but to be back in here, you kind of sensed it um, on the first day of school during our big assembly with everybody that there was just a renewed energy being back in that building. And I think the alumni that now want to come back and their faces are all over the wall and, you know, volleyball, opened up with Oklahoma in August, you know, and then the basketball season starts um, in November and you just can feel it. There's a buzz now that I feel like has been missing, even with the success we've had these last couple of years, the buzz this year, it just feels different um, to kind of just have everybody here on campus to be back in the building that started it all. Cause it's still the original structure. We gutted it and turned it into the, the, wonderful building that that we now have it's it's really really been fun to see it come together this year well the wildcats at least on the men's side have certainly been playing well at home eight and one 
so far, 10 and 10 overall. When you look at this men's basketball team and you look at what they were able to do last season, they got some new pieces this year. As we go into the second half of conference play, how would you evaluate the way that this Wildcats offense has been playing so far? Yeah, I think it it still starts even the offense, even when there's ups and downs with with the shooting, it still starts on the defensive end for for Coach Tanner. It just always has. There's nothing new this year. You know, they kind of fell into a lull, kind of like what they did last year. They had a tough stretch last year, you know, six tough games, couldn't figure out get on the right side of, the, of just winning a game. And then when they got the one win, then that kind of starts the run and they rattled off the back half of the year and wound out, you know, doing what they did in Vegas to, to win three games in three days and just come up short on the fourth day. And so you kind of sense that it might be similar this year. They really had uh, you know, a lot to fill big shoes to fill at the guard position with all three of those amazing fifth years that, that stayed for their final year um, a year ago. So it's taken them a little bit longer. I'd say even maybe the full first semester, it probably took them just to get comfortable with some of the new pieces. Um, but one of the things I really liked was the switch this last week or so to all the veterans are now back in the starting lineup. And I really think that that has just changed the tone a little bit. Um, with them and they got a huge win against UT Arlington um, at home to kind of just get things jump started again but it always starts on the defensive end when they crank that intensity up then the offense kind of takes care of itself and so I feel like that's kind of what has happened over the over the last you know uh, half of a week here they, they really had the the four game losing streak was tough but they got the one and now it just feels like they can kind of get going again. It also seems like a numer numerous players are able to step up. You got seven players averaging at least 6.9 points per game. And leading the way is Emmanuel Allen, who made just two starts last year. Now he's starting all 19 games so far, scoring 11, averaging 11.5 points per contest. What does he bring to the floor this year? How much have you noticed uh, a change in his gameplay from last season? Yeah, he in particular has has a pretty crazy story because he's in his fourth year with us. First year was kind of a redshirt. And then he, during the championship run a couple of years ago where we went to the NCAA tournament and got a win, he had gotten hurt that year. And so we didn't get to see him in the play or, in the, you know, in the postseason and, and in that Southland tournament run in our final year in that league. Um, and so last year was kind of coming in, felt healthy at the beginning of the year, but was still kind of going through it. And now this year, full off season, completely healthy. You just, you see it really for the first time um, that he is completely 100% healthy, trusting of his knee again. You know, that's a very mental thing that I do think took him a little bit of time, but he's such a veteran guy and he's just such an efficient shooter. I think sometimes... We want him to shoot it more, you know, in terms of just the volume of attempts that, that he gets. But when he's out there, he is efficient. And we really, really have seen that from him. Not the most vocal leader on the floor, but kind of a leader 
by example. And so I feel like that's kind of what we've seen from Manny this year. He is just as confident, I think, as he's ever been out there. And then, you know, to get the confidence from guys like Arion Simmons and Damian Daniels, who have been here with him this whole time, I just think he's taken it to the next level this year. It's really, really been fun to watch. You mentioned that he's not the most vocal guy. As somebody who's been around the program, who's close to the guys, who would you say is the most vocal leader? Who's that go-to guy when the teams are kind of when the team is in a rut and they need somebody to be that leader on the floor? Brett, T- no, I'm kidding, not Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think they're they were looking for that. I think in the the first semester in the games in November and December, because they brought back Joe Pleasant. He's not maybe the most vocal. Arian Simmons kind of feeds off of the crowd and kind of has that swagger about him when he's playing on the floor. They were kind of wondering who's going to be the guy when it's all said and done. Hey, get over here. Cause we're going to, this is what we have to do. Um, and I think it's been kind of a combination throughout. I think at moments, Tobias Cameron, who's been here six years now, um, has been able to kind of step up in ways. Damian Daniels at, at times has been able to. I don't really think it's kind of one guy as it is on the women's side. On the women's side here, it really has been one vocal leader, whereas on the men's side, it's been kind of a combination um, of a bunch of them and sometimes they're not as comfortable being vocal so they step back but then that kind of leaves way and and maybe Manny is more of the vocal leader that night you know so I do think it's kind of game dependent um, but I, I think they all kind of have their leadership strengths but I do feel like the team goes as Arion Simmons goes. It, you kind of sense that, and maybe not in a vocal way, but just the way that he plays, the energy when he's shooting bow and arrows into the stands, you know, just that type of kind of uh, mojo that he can bring out there. When he has that going, this team turns it up to the next level. When you look at the stat sheet for Arian Simmons, how would you describe the year that he has? It seems like it's a little bit up and down. And so, you know, is, is, uh, how would you describe it as somebody who, who has a chance to be around him, who got to see, you know, what he was able to do in Vegas last year and leading this team on in such an incredible run that they had. Weird. I think weird <laughs> in a way. Um, I, I think you're, you're very right about that. It's been kind of a roller coaster. If you just look at the numbers, and I think uh, we talked to Brett Tanner a little bit about that, where, all right, well, you decided to put him back in. Did he play his way back into the starting lineup? And he goes, not really. It was kind of more, you know, if you just look at the stats, not really. He wasn't making the shots. Um, but to hit, for him, it starts on the defensive end. There, there's a lot of plays where you'll see it 40 seconds into the game, he'll get a steal and a layup and that starts the game and that sets the tone. And you, we saw that against UT Arlington. He comes down, he kind of, I don't know if you, if you notice it sometimes, but when he comes down, he kind of leans back as he's about to take a shot. Like it doesn't look like he's stepped into his shot. He's kind of, it's not a fadeaway, but he kind of has a, a body lean back. And when he, when you see that, 
and the shot goes up, you're like, oh, I think that's going in. That's just kind of his. And if he gets off to a good start like that, look out because he can get rolling unlike really anybody else on the team. And so I do think it's been really inconsistent at times for him. But for us to be great in the back half, he has to play well. I, I firmly, firmly believe that. And I do think you see that over the course of the game um, because, you know, there was times last year we're struggling against UTRGV. He hits a shot at the buzzer to kind of, you know, ignite it. And then, you know, a few weeks later, scores 31 in a game. If he, we go as he goes. And so I do think it's been up and down. But if he cranks it up on that defensive side, that starts everything for us on the other end. Well, he'll have a tough task as well as the rest of the Wildcats. You got Grand Canyon and then Utah Tech on Saturday. Two home games, but let's switch over to the women's side. Ten and eight overall, four and three in the WAC. Our WAC featured game of the week this week is ACU at Grand Canyon. Lopes, always a tough team on the women's side. And so this is a unique team this year. There's so many new pieces from last year, but one player that's remained the same for the past several years is Maddie Miller returning for her fifth year. Quite a story of the letter that she wrote wanting to return and how much that this campus and this program has meant to her. What has been your takeaway on this fifth year of her, how much has she taken this group under her wing and guided them so far? Yeah, not only is she the leader, I mean, there, there really is, this is her team. There, there is no one else. This is her team. And she's been so much more vocal in her leadership this year. I think in years past, she maybe wanted to be vocal, but she didn't want to upset anybody. And now she's just kind of like, Hey, if I make you mad and I practice today, I don't care. You know? So she's kind of just, her mindset has really been different. And then it does help. She's having her best year. Um, without a question, she looks, she's faster. The shot is more confident this year, I I am so impressed with her. She just hit the 1,000-point uh, um, plateau uh, when we went on the road to Utah Valley. Um, and the interesting thing is she's actually our first-ever fifth-year senior in terms of she's been here the whole five years. We've, we've had grad transfers come in before under Coach Julie Goodenough, but um, she's the first one to be here you know, all the way through um, for five years. And I, you know, we kind of joked with her when she first got here as a freshman, they kind of called her like Julie junior, you know, she just, she acted so much like a coach and like coach good enough. And they're very similar um, in their personalities. And uh, you know, and then her freshman year, we won a championship and made the NCAA tournament. And she has just, she's such a competitor. She is so win based, you know, kind of, um, it, it outcome based is kind of her personality that she's just been chasing that every year. She wants it so badly. Um, and so I really wasn't surprised when she decided to come back for year five because she just, her Twitter handle is Maddie basketball. Like that is just her, that's her in a nutshell. And so, um, to see her grow, I actually got to ACU her freshman year, we came in together. So I've kind of, you know, grown with her over these last five years and to see her turn into this player this year is just the most rewarding thing ever. 
She certainly has left a legacy at ACU. And then you look at the pieces that are around her this year. You got your grad forward, Malia Langstaff, who's second on the team in scoring 11.7 points per game, her first year with the program. And you really have your top three, but after Maddie leading scores are all essentially new to the program with the exception of Addison Martin, who was medically redshirted last year. But how have you watched the pieces come together with this program, integrating so many new players? Yeah, this has been quite the thing to watch because there was really two players with experience at ACU back. Alexis Babina was back as well. Didn't play a ton of minutes last year. It was really Maddie and Bella Earl. Those were really the two that were returning that just knew what the program was. And we brought in a ton of transfers um, and a lot of new young freshmen, but all the transfers at least are sophomores. So we'll at least get to see them grow throughout the course of the program, but it's so much new. And you talk about it taking time. Uh, They, you, you can clearly see the growth that they have made. Um, And I wasn't so sure if we would see that right away. Um, they played some early non-conference UTSA and rice. And you just thought, Oh man, they, this could be tough early because we played some really tough non-conference games. But then when they got to conference play, it's kind of started to come together. They, they found their starting five rotation, which helped a lot too. Um, and then the key pieces off the bench, like a Zoe Jackson to replace Aspen Thornton, those two kind of work together as the point guard spot. Uh, Maddie's carrying this in terms of just being a leader and also is shooting at lights out right now. She's been incredible. Um, and then, yeah, like Addison Martin, who's back, you know, she's been with us. She didn't get to play at all. She got hurt in August last year and tore up her knee, you know, had to sit out. And so to see her be rewarded, she can be a beast inside. And you can kind of see games where 29 points against UTRGV, 21 points in that game, that game that came all the way down to the wire, she can take over a game. So you've seen the growth. And what's impressed me is they haven't dropped two in a row in the whack and and this league is so hard you would think that would happen but they go to utah tech and that's a great team that shot it so well and does shoot it really well all the time um especially on their home floor you lose that game you gotta get a win at utah valley somehow and they go do that you know this team's just been really resilient um if finding different ways to win and the utrgv game really really monumental I think for them going forward because it was a four-point game and they had to close it out at the end that's what they struggled with at the beginning they had chances even at SFA came down to the wire Sam Houston at home came down to the wire they closed out the game this time and so they can learn how to do that This team starts to get better and they're still young and they still don't know what they don't know. Um, And that's kind of good sometimes, but this team starts to become kind of the, Ooh, they're dangerous. Maybe I don't want to see them, you know, late February and into March. When you look at last year, the Wildcats were last in field goal percentage defense. I know that's a huge emphasis for head coach, Julie good enough in her program. How have you watched that become a focus and 
and, you know, become kind of a backbone of this program. Like it is so heavily on the men's side and just, you know, the ability for them to close out games and be strong defensively. Yeah, I think uh, they kind of, I'm kind of glad you mentioned that it did feel like they kind of took a page out of the men's playbook in a way to where what I've seen different this year is maybe just the, the energy on the bench and during the course of a game from the five that are out there. And what that might mean is if the ball is on the baseline, somebody goes and dives after it, all of a sudden you go see three teammates go pick them up and they're back out doing the next thing. What I've also seen more is them taking charges. I think there is a little more physicality this year. I also think we're much more athletic in terms of getting up and down the floor. We're a younger team. I mean, we have two grad students, right, in Miller and Langstaff, no true seniors, no true juniors. And so it's a young and athletic group, which really helps too. Um, but I think on the defensive end, it starts with Addison Martin. They're physical. I haven't seen us be physical like this in a couple of years. And so I do think that kind of post presence, Mal Langstaff, she's more um, in, in terms of like offensively as well. She can take it on the bounce and can be kind of a stretch for, but Addison Martin's the true post, the tough physical post inside. And I think she sets the tone on defense and then they are taking charges, getting after it, a loose ball. I just think they're more physical this year. And you can see that on the defensive end, kind of turn things around. And then if that leads to them getting down the floor, then you start to see Julie Goodenough's team shoot the threes, launch a bunch of shots, get into a rhythm because they can turn it into a track meet. And that's when this program's always been at its best. Well, thank you so much, Zach Carlisle, the TV voice of the Wildcats, for joining us to break down the men's and women's program, our WAC Women's Basketball featured game of the week to look out for Saturday, January 28th at Grand Canyon, 3 p.m. Central Time on ESPN+. Thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.